your servant And I am listening Speak to me, Lord, speak to me Speak to me Welcome to a life-changing encounter with the Word of God presented to you by the Macarius Church Headquarters. This great teaching provides clear and straightforward answers for anyone desiring to walk according to the Word of God. Enjoy some of the most comprehensive and down-to-earth teachings as taught at the Macarius Church Headquarters. I am listening, I am waiting, speak to me. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Help us receive with meekness and grafted word which is able to save our souls. Let the entrance of the word bring light and give understanding to the simple. Give us a spirit of revelation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands together. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. So Bishop Eddie is on holiday And so should you also In your life Go on a holiday The church is like a hospital So it doesn't go on holiday But the individuals Should go on holiday From time to time And my One of my medical mentors He told me that the first doctor who set up a private clinic in Cape Coast, this is Cape Coast, okay, Ghana. (laughs) He said, this doctor worked and worked and worked without a break. So one day, he had his consulting room and then they had the pharmacy in another part of the premises so he wrote a prescription for someone so we have this medication in our pharmacy so I'm going to get it for you see that's even another problem because there has to be a pharmacist or somebody dispensing the medicine but he the doctor got up from the consulting room and went to the Pharmacist go and get the medicine. After a while, he wasn't coming. Wasn't coming back. So they went there. He was on the floor, dead. You know? One day Jesus told the disciples, Mark chapter 6, verse 30. He told them that they came back from a crusade, uh, you know, and they gave him a a, a, a report and the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things both what they had done and what they had taught and look at Jesus' response interestingly this particular incident also happened after the death of John the Baptist and how many know that if a close relative dies it's a major source of stress so Jesus himself must have been stressed at this time. Then they had the crusade and the disciples came. And look at what Jesus said. He said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. I like the expression a while because some people too, when they see a verse like this, 
Hey. Now, actually, the truth of the matter is some people don't deserve to go on holiday because they're always resting anyway. <laughs> no, they're always resting. I believe, you see, when I take two verses Jesus gave, I think John chapter 11, verse 9, Jesus made a statement. He said, Are there not 12 hours in a day? That's a statement Jesus made. Are there not 12 hours in a day? When I take that verse, and I juxtapose with John 9, 4, which says that, I must work the works of him while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. I take it that <laughs> for your work to be work, you must be working at least 12 hours a day. Otherwise, you are not working. You can clap if you. Oh, yes. You say you are a driver. Then you must be driving from 6 to 6. Then you have worked. So those of us who drive, but not for 12 hours, we are not drivers, as in our profession. We are not working. We are just going from one place to the other. Do you understand me? And if I also add another verse from the Old Testament, that says that there are six days shall you work. It means that if you are not working for six times 12, 72 hours a week, you are not working. You don't need rest. You don't need a holiday. (laughs) It's true. So let's go back to Mark chapter 6. And Jesus said they should come apart and rest a while. And he gave them two things in that time. He said that for they had, that's verse 31, I think. Verse 31. See, the person who does the projection usually is gone on holiday. So this one is a substitute. So, so you can tell actually. It's working in the church. Yeah. He's on holiday. So he has trained somebody too. And he said unto them, Come yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going. And there are no leisure so much as to eat. So a holiday is a time when you can eat properly. For some of us to, who work hard, we don't eat well. If you work hard. But if you are eating all the time. <laughs> ah, what a shock. Next verse. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. So that's another revelation about holiday. Go away somewhere. That's why they call it vacation. Uh-huh. Go away somewhere. Don't stay where you are and say you are on holiday. <laughs> vacate. Go away. Don't do the things you do usually. Go away somewhere. Yes, vacate. They went away. They went away somewhere. You even see that the people followed them and ruined their holiday. But at least Jesus uses to teach us the principles. And you know, our civilization is founded on Judeo-Christian principles. Judaism, 
what God taught the people of Israel to do and Christianity. And God made the people rest every week. He said that the Sabbath, you rest. In fact, every month, they even had another holiday called the New Moon. By the way, the English word holiday, its origin is in the word holiday. Holy. So a holiday. That's what became holiday. Yes. So they are not just for playing, but also for thinking about your life spiritually. Because as you go about and come, go up, go and come, go and come. You don't read your Bible, you don't pray. But at that time, you can also take time, rest, read the word. Do you understand me? So First Samuel 25 is an example. First Samuel 25. There was a feast that the you see that's another every month. God, 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 He really made the people think about Him. And David said unto Jonathan, Behold, tomorrow is a new moon, and I should not fail to sit with the king at rest, but let me go that I may hide myself. And see, so what happened was that they also had a new moon, which was a monthly holiday. So a holiday once a week rests. And then a month, and a new moon, and then they have three feasts in the year, where they also, oh yes, oh yes. So if you look at your life and you see that you have not planned any holiday into it, you have not working, ah, working, 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 working. That's why Solomon looked at it and said, "You work, ah, and then you die, and somebody will come and enjoy what you have left for him to, for, for, for. So I want you to work well." And work hard so that you can go on holiday and re- recreate for recreation and ref- you'll be refreshed by the time you come back and eating well and having leisure, taking your time and enjoying the life that God has given to you. <laughs> Amen. So I'm also on holiday, but I'm, I'm, I'm I'm doing it in a certain way. <laughs> but this one I want to share with us from our father's book, Those Who Are Proud. <laughs> Why? You, you don't believe my holiday. <laughs> don't worry. I, don't, I, don't, I will not argue with you. Hallelujah. Now, so it's a holiday message. Those who are proud. <laughs> So I want to read a verse from First of all Let's ask ourselves the question What is pride And I'm going to read from A verse Proverbs 13 verse 10 Proverbs 13 verse 10 Sorry Beautiful now it says only by pride cometh contention but with the well advised is wisdom only by pride cometh contention now this word pride is a hebrew word zaudun and there are four if you like synonyms 
I want us to look at to help us to understand pride because pride is one of the things that if I ask you to define, you, you, you may, it, may be, it may be nebulous. So we are all helping each other too. Number one, number one, pride, pride is a high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority. I'll just read through it. Whether as cherished in the mind or as displayed in bearing or conduct. <laughs> There's a big word in there that is inordinate. Or just understand that inordinate means that it's not within the proper limits. You see, so or it's excessive. So when we say someone is proud, it means he has a high higher than he should think opinion of himself, of his dignity, of his importance. And he usually shows that through well, it's in his mind and then also through his bearing, how he, he conducts himself. <laughs> you know, and this this definition makes me think of Romans chapter 12 verse 3. Paul says very nicely here that for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. So when I was thinking about this verse I asked myself, what, 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 what did Paul mean? To understand it, you have to read the next verses. Verses 4 and 5. Which say that we have many parts. I'm reading from the Good News Translation. In one body. And all these parts have different functions. In the same way, though we are many, we are one body in union with Christ. And we are all joined to each other as different parts of one body. In other words, what Paul is teaching us is that you have to be humble because you need other people. That's, that's the major revelation here. That you should not think more highly of yourself than you ought to think because if you do that, eh, in the day that you need somebody, because you have made yourself one day a, a, a pastor, he said, he used the word contentious. You have made yourself contentious. <laughs> contentious. Contentious. No, because he was saying that he had a vision of Jesus. This pastor had a vision of Jesus. He says, came to him. And he says that when you see Jesus, what you feel is humility. He says, that's the only thing he could Jesus was so how I mean the, the whole aura was humility. I mean, I know some people also say they see Jesus and they feel love, but he said that he said there was nothing of this contentious appearance. No, no. You know, it reminds me of the you know when I was a child. 
where we lived it was an estate. So let me let me mention this other one first. Dr. Dio, Reverend Dio from Niger, he told us this story. Of people who feel that they don't need other people because they are important and they know a lot of things. He says that this man who was a professor was traveling. But when he got to a certain point, he needed a man in a canoe to take him across a body of water. So the OAS man or the canoe man or whoever sat in with the professor and the professor was this type of high people contentious so as they were chatting he couldn't chat I mean is it because you're not able to come down to people's level and chat with him about whatever but he was so full and high that he, he started asking the, the guy do you know anything about the natural sciences the guy said oh what, what, what are natural sciences ah, like biology that's one. He doesn't know any biology. Yeah. I said, oh, about 25% of your life is gone. <laughs> because you don't know biology. Oh. What about the social sciences? What, what, what social? What? I just go to the social center to meet my friends, but I don't know social sciences. Ah, so, you don't know? You mean you don't know anthropology? <laughs> then another. 25% of your life is gone. So already 50% of your life is gone. So as they were swimming, then the water shook a bit. And the guy, the, 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 the canoe man asked the professor, do you know swimnology? <laughs> do, do you know swimnology? <laughs> By the way, do you know, actually we are asking about biology, anthropology, and all, do you know swimnology? The guy said, no. I don't, I don't, hey, 100% of your life, if, if, if the canoe falls, if you fall into the water, right 100% of your life is gone. You know, no, but on a serious note, when I was a child, we used to live in an estate, and it was a government estate, so people used to come as new, I mean, a new civil servant had come, and then he would be transferred, so he would leave another person, because one of our very nice neighbors, they were transferred, and a new person came to live in their house. Now, I remember that he had come from Germany. I think he had done a PhD in Germany, so he had married a German wife, and it was typical in those days. I think neighborliness is not how it used to be now. I don't feel it's the same. But in those days, oh, your, 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 your neighbor's friends, your children play together. You, oh, yeah, 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 just area boys play gutter to gutter. I mean, it's just share food. Oh, yeah. They call you in the night and you come. So when a new neighbor came, he would usually go around on an appointed date, coming to introduce himself to the new to the people he had come to meet. That's what we knew. But this neighbor, when he came after about 17 years in Germany, first of all, he came with a brand new car. In those days, I think that's a 120Y shining <laughs> contentiousity. At its best, and he was he was always wearing dark glasses. Hey, <laughs> dark glasses. 
I remember, pa, he never came to greet. In fact, he would come, park his car, go into his house. He never came to greet anybody, came to tell anybody that I, I was around. I have come. So, the neighbors too were like, ah, they are watching him. I mean, this man is he's like God. He's unapproachable. He dwells in a certain place. So, one Saturday morning, woke up and he, you see, in those days, there used to be an area of rubbish. It was between our house and that house. Of course, now we, we have learned to so we'll say that it's hammock, but you put rubbish there and you burn it from time to it was between our house and their house one Saturday when we woke up he had asked his son to move all the rubbish to our house (laughs) hey Charlie without coming to say anything moving, moving so in the morning the guy was with a shovel but they said what I said my daddy says I shovel So he moved the rubbish. But you know, the interesting thing was that he used to work at Kolebu, teaching hostel. And my mother for many years was a nursing sister at the chest diseases department in Kolebu. I don't don't think we knew. Unless we didn't know. But what happened was that one day he was not well. So he went to see a doctor in the hospital. And the doctor prescribed some medications for me and said, Oh, just go to Sister Sumini in chest disease department. She'll, 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 she'll give you the medication. I mean, you're a member of staff. She'll give you the medication. So the guy with his prescription knocked on this door of Sister Asumini, come in, open the door, and saw my mother sitting there. Oh. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. I mean, the man became deaf and dumb. Could he speak? He was, just, he was just holding the prescription and just standing there. He couldn't speak because he recognized it. This is my neighbor who I've made myself almighty contentious and brought up to go and everything. I won't greet him. Hey! What do you do? What do you do? It was my mother who got up and went to collect the prescription. So they said you should, and she gave him, then he went. Of course, after that, he came around to greet everybody. <laughs> sure. You need people. You need people. You need people. Number, number two definition is insolence. Hmm. Pride. This, Greek, this Hebrew word, insolence. What is insolence? It is being contemptuously rude. Hey! Or impertinent behavior or speech. Hey! What is contempt? Contempt is a feeling with which you look at people. You see, it's a kind of high look that you, you, you look at people in a certain way. Like they are rubbish. Yeah. Yeah, because you're high, and they are so low. Yes, they cannot attain unto you. Hmm. Let me read a scripture, Proverbs, chapter twenty-one, verse four. 
says, and high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. But God is delivering you from pride today in the name of Jesus. As you hear the word of God today, you will be taken out of the group of those who are proud. But that's one of the features. A high look. I mean, as in certain brothers who propose to certain sisters. And the sisters look at them with a high look. Say, you are not my type. One day, a certain brother went to propose to a sister on Legon campus. When she proposed, when he proposed, her question for him was, where do you spend your holidays? That was her criterion for accepting or refusing the proposal. In those days, people used to go to London to go and shop. Job and shop on holidays and come back with sound systems which will play next other yeah he has been he just came back from London but this brother used to spend the holidays in Encarrier Toise <laughs> so she refused his proposal but as God would have it he moved on in life and his status changed. <laughs> and I will not tell you the rest of the story because <laughs> you have to know for yourself that he went high. It's because the Bible says that whosoever exalted himself shall be abased. You know, accept me because I spend my holidays in the career twice. Instead of London. Number four is arrogance. 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 Which is an offensive display of superiority or self-importance. So you can see something running through that. It's a feeling of being high. And our prophet tells us here that people do not have to own anything to be proud. People just have to exist on this earth and they will become proud for some reason. In fact, he showed us that even in church, Those who have just come as a new converts, they are less proud than those of us who have been around for some time. First John chapter 2 verse 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And verse 16 says, For all that is in the world, so these are the things that are in the world, 
Number one, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. So, the more life you have, the older you are. Younger people are more humble than older people. That's why they even say, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. He's set in his ways. You just have to be born on this earth. And under the influence of Satan to be proud. I'll come to it. So let me just read it now. It's in Job chapter 41 verse 34. Maybe, maybe I should ask the second. The first question is what is pride? And I'm going to ask the second question. My message has two points. I told you it's a holiday message. so It's not long. <laughs> <laughs> the second question is what is the origin of pride where did pride come from you see let me let me say that pride is the most deadly evil that afflicts the human race oh yes and many spiritual authorities Including Derek Prince and Andrew Murray have declared that pride is the root of all kinds of evil. Yes. They're even lying. Maybe you told the lie because you couldn't, you are not humble enough to say the truth. You, you are not at Circle. You are at Abilinkbe. They called you. Where are you? Circle because they're waiting for you at Adabraka. Meanwhile, you're at Abilimpi. And why is it taking you so lot of traffic? I'm in traffic. traffic. (laughs) So, pride brings strife, pride brings contention. Now, the origin of pride where pride came from, Job chapter 41, verse 34. This is an account of a being or a beast called Leviathan. And many biblical scholars believe that it's referring to Satan. So he says that he beholdeth all high things. He is a king over all the children of pride. May you not be counted as one of the children of pride. He is a king. Over all the children of pride. So to trace the origin of pride. We go way back. To before. Man was created. Two powerful prophets of God. Give us an insight. Into this. Being. We know as Satan. And how pride came about through him. So let's go to Ezekiel chapter 28. And I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. Read, let us read from the New American Standard Bible. Verse 11 of Ezekiel chapter 28. Are you in verse 11 of Ezekiel 28? Again, 
The word of the Lord came to me saying, next verse, son of man, take up a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord God, you had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. So this again refers to Lucifer. Because he talks about the prince of Tyre in that passage. But the things he's going to say about the king of Tyre now will make you realize that it's not a human being he's referring to. Let's read the other version again because the other verse again because it gives you two clear causes of pride that Lucifer became proud because of one, the wisdom and two, the beauty that God had given him careful now if you are you feel that you have wisdom or that you are beautiful or handsome you are in danger next verse, it says that you were in Eden the garden of God. Now this clearly shows us that before the garden of Eden we saw in Genesis that God created. There was an Eden before. There was an Eden before. And he, Lucifer, was there. He says, every precious stone was your covering. The ruby, the topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the lapis lazuli, the turquoise, and the emerald, and the gold, the workmanship of your settings and sockets was in you on the day that you were created. They were prepared. I don't know what kind of being he was, honestly. We can't imagine. He was something else. I mean, like clothed with different jewels. Hey, Charlie, very well. You are the anointed cherub who comes. And I placed you there. You see, remember these words always. And I placed you there. That wherever you find yourself, somebody placed you there. Or God placed you there. Or God used somebody to place you there. Yes. You were a very precious and beautiful and sweet looking lady. But if that brother hadn't come to say that, baby, I love you. He placed you there. He placed you there. He placed you there. Your boss, who you are so annoyed with, at the interview, you told them that, hey, if you employ me, hey, you see what I'll bring to the table. And now you are sitting at the table annoyed with him because he has faced you. It's a manifestation of pride. Not being amenable to correction. Hmm. You were the anointed terrible covers, and I place it. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. I mean, what are these things? We don't even know what they are. Stones of fire. I mean, wild, wild things. He was there. Next verse. You were blameless.
grace in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. The King James says iniquity. Hey. Huh. You should read a book called The Fall of Lucifer. I believe it was written under a prophetic action. The author is Wendy Alec, who is a prophetess. Oh yes, when you read her, she's a prophetess. You see, God, I believe God gave her insight, prophetic insight, to write that book. And you see that one of the reasons, or maybe the main reason, why Lucifer became who he became was that he heard that God was going to create man. And that God was going to put his DNA in man. So that man will be like him. And man will be able to reproduce after his kind. And like they, they couldn't reproduce after their kind. They were just created and that's it. And Lucifer said to himself, are we not, are we not, are we not okay? Are we not loved by God? Why does he have to bring other people? Why does he have to create man? You see, and the question you should ask yourself is that, look, there is enough love in the world. If God or somebody has loved some loved you and wants to bring another person to add to the love, is it a should it be a problem? <laughs> There's enough love to go around. People like that have what they call a scarcity mentality. They think that when you have it, it means I can't have it. They feel there's not enough in the world. It's like the thought that Cain had that God has accepted Abel's offering. So he cannot. No, no, no. God told him when he became angry, God told him that. But if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do, will you not be accepted? I can accept Cain in addition to Abel. That's not, it's, not a, it's not a problem. You just have to do right. Next verse. Yeah, let me read it. In the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence. You see, that word trade, the King James says merchandise. It's a word which is related to the word slander. The Hebrew word is related to the word slander. And it gives you an insight into what what Satan went about doing or Lucifer went about doing in heaven. So let me read two other verses from the Old Testament. We'll come back and finish this, this passage. But when you read Leviticus 19.16 I think you should give it to me in the New American Standard Version. It says you shall not go about as a slanderer among your people. And you are not to act against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, if you go about with stories about your neighbor, what the Lord is saying is that you are against the life of your neighbor. 
you are literally a murderer because people who go about doing such things are filled with hatred and the bible has already said that if you hate your brother you are a murderer and this verse is showing us that you are acting against the life of your neighbor Yes. I saw a pastor I knew. I know that pastor. I, 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 I won't, I've known him for years. He says that one day somebody published a story about him. That he had been seen coming out of a nightclub with two girls. One on his left and one on his right. <laughs> hey. Please. Anyone who engages in such activity is engaging in satanic activity. That's what, that's what Lucifer did. He went about telling the angels that, hey, you will read the next verse in Isaiah. I mean, that's the last passage then. We'll close about the origin of pride. So that it will show you what not to do. If you don't want to be like Satan, eh, do not go about telling stories. Bearing tales, slander, going from one person to another, telling that that means that you are idle. You don't have anything to do. You don't work 12 hours a day. (laughs) You want to go on holiday. (laughs) Let me read the next verse. It says that Proverbs 11, verse 13. Also in the New American Standard Bible, it says, He who goes about as a tale-bearer reveals secrets. But he who is trustworthy conceals a matter. You are married. The marriage ended. And now you are going about telling people what your wife used to do in the bedroom. Things which were secrets. Now years ago, Dr. Yangi Cho said a member of his, a lady, lost her husband. He died. And the lady was so distraught. But he, Dr. Nguyen had a vision or a dream and saw the husband in the dream. And the husband told Yonggi Cho, go and tell her that I'm okay. She should marry again. Then he said, Pastor, to make you, to make her know that this message has come from me. I'll tell you this. And he told him a secret. When Dr. Yankucho told the wife, Dr. Hey, you've been standing behind our bedroom window, which was obviously not true. But please, one of the highest forms of satanic treachery is if you were entrusted with some secrets whilst you were somewhere working or whatever, now you've come out and you've written a book. 
about satanic it's high level unfaithfulness treachery and luciferic please I hope you understand what uh, you agree with me what this verse is saying because you are very quiet you are not <laughs> oh yeah so Satan went about do you know why Satan went let's go to Isaiah chapter 14 and why he went about doing this in Isaiah 14 and we are reading from verse 12 give me the anyway whichever the American song how you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning. I pray for you and I also pray for myself that Father, may we never be so transformed and degenerated. You see, because you see now, eh, when you see, when you read again the fall of Lucifer, you will see that when he was in heaven there were three brothers Lucifer was the first born brother Michael was the second born and Gabriel was the third born Michael was a warring prince Lucifer was a worshipping prince because you are the anointed cherub cherubs are special angels found around the throne and then Gabriel was the revelator he used to see visions and dreams And then, when he fell, and Michael met him later, one of the things that Michael was amazed to see was the degeneration. I mean, he said, Lucifer had changed from what he was to a grotesque creature. Someone who was so beautiful, they called him son of the morning. Another version says star of the morning. May you never degenerate from a morning star to something miserable. He says, you have been cut down to the earth. You who have weakened the nations. Next verse. But you said in your heart, Aha. you see, so Lucifer in order, you see, because he had been put in a certain place, and I'll tell you that, you see, one of the, one of the things that helps somebody to be humble is contentment. Content to be where you are. Content with what you have. Never telling your husband that, why is that that Mr. Asante has bought a Mercedes Benz and you are still driving this Hyundai <laughs> Go and see Prince and buy a new car and stop driving this. But you see, if he's honestly driving his Hyundai, it's better. But Satan was not content to be the son of the morning. He was not content that when he opened his mouth, his voice came with instruments. All kinds of instruments were in him. He was not content with that. He said, I will ascend to heaven. 
I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the... Hey! The kingdom says in the size of... Where God is, oh! Where God is. That's why he wanted to be. One day a man of God said, Hey! When I see this orangus, the way they behave, eh? It's that they want to be you. So even if you give them your wife, they will not be content. They want to be you. <laughs> it says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. That was his aim. So he was going about talking to the angels, Charlie. Let's rebel. Let's be against God. But in Psalm 2, the Bible says, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. God just laughs at such things. He said, He shall have them in derision. God didn't bother. To take part in that, but he sent Michael and said, Michael, sort him out. He didn't come. God didn't come. He was playing drafts or chess with Jesus. <laughs> Send Michael and sort him out. Ah, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters. We should not. Let me read this here. It says, All the disloyalty, treachery, and breakaways in churches are caused by people who think they are as good as the leader. See? 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 When Lucifer was in heaven, he dwelt in glory and had a very high rank. As we've read. One day he said to himself, Why should I stay at this level when I could be even higher? That is your problem. That you somehow don't feel. See, we are not saying that don't have the desire to better yourself. No. But don't be like the brother who asked. He asked the question. He said, What organization is this that you cannot rise above those? You came to meet those you came before. You mean inordinate, that's the word, inordinate desire to be a certain place that you are not supposed to be. Listen to this. He said to himself, I will take my leadership gift to its logical conclusion. I will arise and displace the one who sits on the throne. I will replace almighty God on this throne. I will be just like the most high. Satan was so full of self-importance and self-conceit that he rebelled against the one who created and appointed him. He says, many angels believed the delusions and joined in the rebellion against their creator. And the prophet gives a very important point here. He says that delusions take about 10 years to completely unravel and destroy those who believe them. 
Yes. Sometimes shorter. But because they are delusions, because I, I think about the 200 people who went with Absalom. Absalom called them. And the Bible says they went in their innocence or their simplicity. You know, you need to analyze issues. Please, analyze things. Analyze. Don't just see something and say, ah, hey, oh, I didn't know that. No. <laughs> Please think, think about it a bit. Think, analyze it a bit. When you analyze, you can't go, oh, this is rubbish. This is rubbish. But if you don't analyze it, ah, hey, oh, you see, because you didn't read your Bible. That's why you're able to have much time on Facebook, up and down, up and down, up and down. He said, and if someone went 200 men out of Jerusalem, that were called. They were called. Say, hey, trouble. See, there are people who run when they see a bus. When they sit inside the bus, and then they even buy an egg with pepper. <laughs> Cut it and put it inside. Then it moves. Then as they reach a place, they say, ah, where is this? So, a palm. I said, oh, I was going to Takradi. But he got the bus at Cape Coast, and he's now at a palm. Which is the opposite direction. <laughs> analyze things a bit. Please analyze things a bit. When you analyze, you will not be a simple person. And he says that delusions take about 10 years to completely unravel and destroy those who believe them. A very strong delusion and deception may continue undetected for five years. But after that, the evidence of the deception begins to come out. Adolf Hitler began to lead Germany into damnation when he took power in 1933. And it is said that if, I mean, that was the year they were made the man of the year. That was also 34 or so. Man of the year. Time magazine made the man of the year. 34, 1934. Because that one year he did very well. But now it says. By 1939, it began to be evident that he was a criminal seeking to destroy the world. Adolf Hitler began the Second World War in 1939. By 1942, after the defeat of the German army at Stalingrad, it was clear to many Germans that they had believed a lie. May you never believe a lie. Like a lie of Lucifer. So I promise you high positions. And now they are in hell with him. The war and the conquest were based on the delusion that Adolf Hitler was a perfect leader with the perfect solutions for this world. The war was based on the delusions that Jews were the cause of all the problems. In the world. By 1945, Adolf Hitler had systematically murdered five, six million Jews. And everyone knew that Germany had been led by a mentally deranged mass murderer. Brethren, pride is invisible. 
and it escapes notice. I pray that in this holiday season, we shall begin to think about pride and humility. And that pride will become visible and identifiable. And that humility will become attainable. And that you and I will be delivered from the ranks of those who are proud. By understanding what pride is and how it came into the world. You will see that the same thing that Lucifer did is what when he saw Adam and Eve in the garden who are taking his place, he came and told them that ah, see, against slander, God is not God is keeping something from you and then he said when you eat this, you will become like God, you know, you will not need God you see, they are not needing somebody, the independence of God I pray that that shall not be your story, but you shall walk in humility, in Jesus name, stand to your feet I want you to lift your voice and I think the Christians sang a nice song. Humble yourselves by the side of the Lord. He shall lift you up. Humble yourselves by the side of the Lord. He shall lift you up. He shall lift you up. He shall lift you up. Oh, he shall lift you up. Humble yourselves by the side of the Lord. He shall lift you up. One more time, say, humble yourself. Humble yourself by the side of the Lord. is the key the law of humility and exaltation is like the law of gravity in a certain sense because anything that you throw up it comes down so if you exalt yourself it is a law in the universe God will bring you down But if you humble yourself, then God himself will lift you up. Do you get me? And by the way, 
God is better at lifting you up than you are at lifting yourself up. Uh-huh. And actually, it's also better at humbling you than you yourself can. So you just say, look, because when you take one, God will do the other. So if you exalt yourself, he will bring you down. But if you humble yourself, then he will lift you up. And that was a key that Jesus, who went low, so low, as to become like a man and died the death of a criminal on the cross. When God lifted him up, there was no stopping him until he reached the very highest place that he could ever reach as a man. So lift your voice and begin to pray the Lord. Help me to humble myself. And maybe I should say something else here before we pray. One day Paul saw that he was in danger of being exalted. Then he also saw that God had brought some five things with the aim of reversing the exaltation and bringing humility. So Paul in the end said in 2 Corinthians 12, I take pleasure in reproaches, in infirmities, in distresses, in persecution. Wow. So maybe you are going through something. Just see that it is God's way of dealing with the pride and the self-exaltation and he is bringing you down so that you become like Jesus. Lift your voice and begin to pray that Father, may I, oh God, be able to humble myself. May I, oh God, be able to, to be like Jesus who made himself of no reputation. My God. I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. Ha, for when I'm weak, then I am strong. Pray. Pray, 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 pray in the name of Jesus. Pray, Father, it is a mystery to me. I do not even know how to humble myself, but maybe the circumstances you have brought in my life are helping me to humble me. May I walk in the humility that you have for me instead of exalting myself, instead of lifting myself up, instead of raising myself up. You alone are better, you are better at, at lifting me up in the name of Jesus. Pray. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are with us, oh God, helping us to become like Jesus, helping us to humble ourselves. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, you are here. You have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But the Bible is saying that today, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. God has orchestrated for you to be here so that you will be saved. How do you know that you have to be saved today? Your heart is beating. You, you, you know that you have to respond. You have to, you have to respond. You have to make a choice. So whilst every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want you, if that is you, 
and I'm glad to help you to give your life to Jesus. Lift up your right hand and I'll pray with you. Just your right hand. God bless you. I see your hand right there. And I want you to know that you are making the right choice. The right choice to give your life to Jesus. To say that Jesus, I come to you and I, 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 I come just as I am. And if you are here and you have lifted up your hand, I want you to take an, another step and come forward. And I will pray with you. Utterly taking the first step into the presence of God because the Bible says that you enter into the holiest with boldness. So I want to lead you in a prayer. It is your prayer, but I'm helping you. Let's bow our hands and let the rest of the church join us as you pray out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I know I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. Please forgive me. Wash away my sins. Write my name in the book of life. Father, thank you for making me a new creature. Now lift up one finger like this. Look at me. Say, Satan, I will no longer obey you or follow you because today I have been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. See our pastor. Go with him. He'll talk to you and then pray with you. Then you come back. It's now time for us to share or to partake in the communion. Genesis chapter 3 it was a bite of something that brought sin into the world the Bible says and when the woman saw that the fruit looked good and that it would therefore taste good she took a bite woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise she took from the fruit and ate and by that sin entered the world so it is no surprise that Jesus in initiating the new covenant also brought us something to eat that if you believe when you eat it you have life because the first bite of that food brought death 
but this one brings us zoe the god kind of life so i want you to lift up the bread today and as you are eating life you are eating health you are eating prosperity you are eating advancement because you are eating the life of god you are receiving the life of god lift it up and say the bread of life i am partaking of eternal life the god kind of life eat it the same way he lifted up the wine this is the new testament in my blood it means something new is coming into your life today receive newness of life today receive a wiping away of bad memories today receive something that brings life they said the life of the flesh is in the blood how much more the blood of Christ which became better things than the blood of Abel lift up the blood and say this is the blood of Christ drink it lift your hands for a blessing father thank you that this is a home of miracles we have seen the mighty signs and wonders you have done through the administration of communion in this house healings today i speak concerning healing of back pain in the name of jesus everything that causes back pain in the life of your people as they have eaten of the bread of life and drunk of the blood that brings life may new cartilages be made in the name of Jesus we are speaking of creative miracles Lord somebody's fallopian tube is blocked Lord cause her to have a new fallopian tube as a result of this prayer and as a result of this communion somebody's womb has a lot of problems scars but Lord we are praying in the name of Jesus for a dissolution of those scars and a safe passage that she'll be able to have a child thank you Holy Spirit that this is a house of miracles this is a house of signs and wonders this is the place of God we believe in the communion that the power of God and that it is the prophetic and miracle and supernatural part of our service this is a time when you move Lord supernaturally by your supernatural power let somebody forget a pain that they have carried for 20 years let somebody forget a pain that came to them even while they were in their mother's womb when they were rejected because their mother wanted a boy and they came out as a girl but today oh lord we plead the blood of jesus to go back in time oh god and repair every wound every pain every offense everything oh god that has afflicted your people 
they walk out free they walk out into the liberty that Christ has given them because your house is a house of miracles we thank you we bless your name for your power in Jesus name Amen We believe you have been blessed by this powerful teaching from the Bacarius Church Headquarters, East Legon Hills, Accra. Stay blessed. I am waiting.